Hey, Revelation Wellness Podcast fam. I want to let you know that you are invited to a free webinar. Alisa will be talking about why your body was made for ability and not vanity. This is for you if you're finally ready to move out of the cycle of comparison and shame and break free from the world's standards about what your body is meant for. It's time to say goodbye to diet culture. Join us live Thursday, August 10th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just swipe up on the show notes for the link. Now, you're going to be with me today for this Revving the Word, so get your body ready, your mind ready, and your heart ready as we move together. Also, before we jump into it, if you wouldn't mind, we would invite you to leave us a review and rate us in all the places. That helps us get this message further. Thanks so much. Here we go. Getting the playlist started in three, two, one, play. All right. What's up, friends? I'm Aaron, one of the team members here at Revelation Wellness, and I am excited to be with you today, hang out a little bit together. If this is one of your first times doing a Revving the Word, welcome. We are glad that you are here, and I'm excited that you're here with me. And if it is your first time, well, guess what? We are in this together because this is two firsts for me. I've only recorded uh, a RevXing the Word, which you can find exclusively in the Revelation Wellness mobile app. And for RW Plus subscribers. But this is my first revving the word. Not only is it my first revving the word, this is my first workout on a bike, a spin bike. This is what I'm using to record. Don't know what you're on. Maybe you're walking, maybe you're running. Whatever you're doing, I hope that you are taking deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. So it's a little bit of firsts for maybe both of us today. Maybe not. Maybe maybe you're here all the time. Maybe you've listened to all 800 and some podcasts that we have released. If that's you and you've listened to every single one, do us a favor and let us know. Contact us. We want to know that you've listened to every single podcast. That would be so cool if you did that. All right. Today we're going to be in second Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 5. Now, I need you to know, I'm a preacher. That's what I do. So it's going to be a lot of preaching. And you are going to set yourself at a good pace today. Right now, we're just warming up a little bit. So keep it low. And then we're going to set a steady pace for the entire workout. And then at the end, we'll take it down a little bit as we finish out. But I'm going to do a lot of talking, because that's what I do. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 4, the Bible says this. It says that David was 30 years old when he began his reign. He reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem... He reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. 
That's the verse. I know. You're like, wow, that's, that's great. What are we going to do with that? Well, hopefully we can learn something from it today and hopefully see if God has something for you in the season that you're in. As we get started today, let me go ahead while we're finishing up our warm-up here and let me pray just a tad. And I want to talk to you a little bit, okay? So God, we are grateful for you today more than anything. Thankful we get to move our bodies. Thankful that as we inhale, it is because of your breath in our lungs that you, you exhale into our lungs as our inhale. We're grateful. We know that it is for you and by you and from you and to you that we're able to do this and move our bodies and we're thankful speak to us today let us not walk away from this workout unchanged by who you are and what you did in the life of David here in this passage let us learn something from it that challenges us it makes a difference not just in our lives but in the lives of those around us as we live every day in your name. Amen. All right. There's your warm up, y'all. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to pick it up a little bit. I'm going to increase a little bit of tension in this bike that I'm riding. And if you're walking, pick it up just a tad. I'd like to get about a six, seven, maybe seven. Seven's the sweet spot. That's where I want you at. It's going to be tough because you're going to have to push a long time. We're not going to go up and down and all around. We're going to hold it out of seven. Look, I'm in it with you. And so we're going to push it and keep it out of seven the whole time. And then we're going to bring it down at the end, okay? Stay with me. If you need a break, break. But... Just listen, make it not about the workout, but about what God's speaking to you during your workout and see if it doesn't go by a little bit quicker and you'll forget all about that consistent six, seven effort. Are you ready? I'm going to read it again to you. It says this. It says, David was 30 years old when he began his reign. He reigned 40 years and six months. He reigned 40 years, sorry. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. I know it seems like, again, an odd passage to hound on, but I want you to realize something. This is somewhere around, somewhere around like 15 to 17 years, okay? After he was anointed to be king. Remember, way back in 1 Samuel, toward the beginning, Samuel was the prophet. Samuel came to the house of Jesse, David's dad. And he said, the Lord has come to anoint one of your sons to be king. And he said, here are my sons from oldest to youngest. And Samuel went through each of them. 
He said that they were tall and handsome and it wasn't them. Well, certainly it's got to be the next one. And the Lord said, no, it's not him either. Went through all of Jesse's sons. And he said, something's not right here, Jesse. Is there another? Is there another? Do you have any more sons? He said, well, I mean, there's the one out back watching the sheep, but he's just a shepherd boy and he's only, he's only young. David didn't even get invited to the party where he would be anointed king. He wasn't even invited to be in the room. And his dad was told by Samuel, go call for him, go get him out of the field. So David came in from serving. By the way, you don't need to be positioned. I'm about to preach real good to you. You don't need to position yourself to be promoted in the kingdom of God. God will go out and send someone into the field where you're already serving to come pluck you up and put you where he wants to exalt you. All you have to do, according to scripture, is humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. You don't position yourself. You put yourself in a position of servanthood, and God will send someone to find you in your faithfulness where you already are to place you and anoint you where he wants you to be, to do what he wants you to do. David was doing that even as a young kid. You're not too young to be used by God, which also means you're not too old to be used by God. Wherever you are today, God wants to use you. So David gets brought in by Samuel before his brothers and before his father, who didn't even invite him to the party. And I'm sure he smells like sheep because sometimes when you serve, it gets a little smelly, but that's okay because God specializes in smelly servants and lift them up to be spectacular kings. So here he gets before Samuel and the Lord says, this is the one, this is the one. And Samuel anoints David to be king of Israel. And then David, what David does next is so important for both you and I. David goes back out into the field to shepherd sheep. How do we know that? Because chapters later when King Saul needs somebody to serve in his palace, he goes and gets David, a shepherd boy who is skilled at playing the harp. David went back under the anointing of a king. He was anointed to be king. We're going to guess somewhere between the ages of 13 and 15 based on kind of what we know in scripture and culturally about Jewish uh, boys at that age and at that time. So somewhere between the age ages of 13 and 15, David gets anointed to be king, yet he goes back into the field, not straight into the palace. And when he does go into the palace, he's called into the palace to be a servant, not to be the king. But David shepherded sheep with a kingly anointing. And I wanna tell you today, Maybe you have a promise from God. Maybe you have an anointing from God to do something great. And I believe that with all my heart that you do. If you're hearing my voice right now, you have been anointed by God to do something significant in the kingdom of God, which is why he has you here in this moment right now. Just consider that confirmation. But just because David had an anointing to be king, 
sometimes, and most of the time, we become so obsessed with our calling, with our purpose, that we miss out on the faithfulness to do the servanthood things, the basic things that we were already doing, where God had already placed us, but doing them with an even greater anointing. So David didn't just shepherd sheep as a shepherd boy. He now shepherded sheep with a kingly anointing, with a level of anointing that it took to be king. That's the type of power and anointing that he shepherded sheep with. And maybe the reason that we don't see a lot of significant change in our lives spiritually or maybe the position we want or don't see great things is because we're so consumed with where we think God wants us to go that we miss out on where he's already planted us to serve and to be faithful in those moments with that greater anointing. We don't need better positions. We need better posture. Say that again. We don't need a greater position. We need a greater posture, and it's a posture of a heart of servanthood. And David goes back out into the field to serve with a kingly anointing. And not only did David go back out to serve with a kingly anointing, but then he was chased by Saul. And he was pursued by Saul. And Saul wanted to kill him and could have many times. And God placed Saul's son, Jonathan, in David's life, who helped protect him, and they formed a bond of brotherly love toward one another that was unmatched anywhere else in Scripture that we see. It says they loved each other dearly and made vows with each other on multiple occasions. Because sometimes, and most of the time, look around you, God places people around you to help sustain and remind you of the anointing and the calling that he's gotten you to when you're faithful in the in-between. I find God's waiting periods interesting. And I'm gonna tell you from personal experience that when you try to skip the waiting periods and put God's plan and purpose into your own hands, and you try to take the reins on your life and your calling and your purpose and try to make God's timeline fit into your timeline instead of waiting on God and fitting into his timeline, you will crash and burn. Sure, you'll see some success. Yeah, you might win some people. You might actually do good work in the kingdom of God, but you're going to do it with your anointing, your power, not with God's anointing and God's power because God didn't anoint David to be king to be king at 15. He anointed him to be king. He gave him a kingly anointing at the age of 15 to be a shepherd. Because until you can be a shepherd or a servant with a kingly anointing, then you can never be a king with a kingly anointing. I like shoes. It's my thing. I'm not ashamed of it. A little bit proud of it. But I really like shoes. I promise this is going somewhere. I'm not just distracted. I might have a little self-diagnosed ADHD and I might have looked down at my shoes spinning in this bike. But I like shoes. But it's going somewhere. 
my parents own a shoe store in Winchester, Virginia, small little town, about, about I don't know, in, in the suburbs of the suburbs of D.C. And it's old shoe store. Been there since 1947. They were Nike's first account in the state of Virginia. Pretty cool, right? Back in 1971, they opened up Nike there. But my mom worked for them for a long time before my parents owned it. And I just developed, as a young kid, a love for shoes. I know what you're thinking. And there's a question I get asked a lot when people find out how much I love shoes. What is the, your favorite pair of shoes that you have? <laughs> I have some shoes that are my favorite. But you'll probably never see them except on rare occasions. I have this pair of shoes that they're these teal Nikes called foam posits. Foam posits are cool. I have some Jordans. Jordan was, is my favorite basketball player, the GOAT. I don't need your opinion on that. But greatest basketball player of all time. Love his shoes. Have some of his shoes. Got some dunks. Some really cool sneakers. Some, I even have some Yeezys, which might be really valuable right now based on current events. <laughs> but I have a pair of those. I have these one shoes that are a collaboration between Nike and Starbucks. And they're probably the most valuable shoes I have, even though I wear them a lot, which brings the value down a little bit. But they're a Nike SB, which stands for skateboard. But they're a really cool little shoe. And just for whatever reason, the value of those are just out the roof. Even though they weren't expensive to buy originally. But those are my favorite shoes. My favorite shoes are these teal foam posits. Just because they're so unique. Foam posits, you'll see everywhere. Everybody's got foam posits if they like, maybe like, if they like sneakers or some people buy knockoff ones to play basketball in or something, but got these teal ones that I really like and they're just unique the color's so unique it was a limited release they accidentally here's the story on them they accidentally got shipped to my parents shoe store my parents don't don't carry those type of shoes because they carry team shoes so with Nike you can't be both a team dealer and a fashion dealer but they accidentally got shipped these shoes so we called the Nike rep and the Nike rep said you got to send them back however you and your brother can keep a pair so we both got a pair to keep. How you doing? You maintaining that seven? If not, you need to pick it up. Gotta push a little bit. I'm doing good on this bike. So those are my favorite shoes, but you might not see them very often. You wanna know why? It's not that I don't like them. I just don't wear them very often because they're special to me and I save them for special occasions. because they're my favorite. I've set them aside for only certain times that I want to bring them out because they're my favorite shoes. David has an anointing 
to be the king over Israel. And what did God do? It seems like God took his favorite thing and put it on the shelf. I need you to know if you feel like you're not being used by God and you're being faithful where you are and you feel like, God, when's it gonna be my turn? Why not me? Why not now? I've been faithful and I feel like you, you really wanna do these things through me and here I am, but it's just a struggle sometimes to feel like you have a purpose and you have a calling, yet here you are in the background, just being faithful where God has placed you and you feel like, well, maybe I do need to step out. Maybe I do need to make myself available. Maybe I do need to position myself for others to see me so that I can be promoted. And I think God's telling us, no, no, no. Humble yourself and I'll exalt you. And we often feel like, well, what's the deal, God? And it's not, I want you to know, it's not because you're not valuable. You're so valuable. God deems you so worthy, so valuable that he put you on the shelf to bring you out for a specific purpose in a specific time for a specific calling. See, that's how much God cares about you. David wrote in the Psalms in chapter 139 that you were knit together in your mother's womb. That he knows everything about you. He says, God, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You're acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word that crosses my tongue that you don't even know about it. You go before me and behind me. You put your hand upon me. It's too wonderful for me to even think about this. I can't even go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence that you're not there. If I, if I make my bed in heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. He said, even if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me. If I try to hide in the dark, even the night will be light around me because the darkness and light are both alike to you. And then he says, you know my inward parts. I am fearfully and wonderfully made and you knit me together. And then he says in verse 18, something crazy. He says, how precious also are your thoughts unto me. If I should count them, how many thoughts you have toward me personally, God, they outnumber the grains of sand on a seashore. Oh, and by the way, when I wake up, you're still with me. I mean, what brilliant writing David has there. But it tells me something. That God doesn't just know everything about you because he's omniscient. He knows everything about you because he pursues you. He wants to know you. He studies you. Like a high school boy studying a high school girl, that he wants to know the favorite color and he wants to know her favorite food, and he wants to know her favorite candy, and he wants to know all those things. It's the same way God studies you. He takes the time to get to know you. Every hair on your head has been counted. Why? Because he knows you so well, and he has crafted you from the beginning with a specific purpose, with a specific anointing for a specific time, in a specific day, and that's why you're on the shelf. Not because, not because you're, not because you haven't been called, the God who called you will be faithful to sustain you and will be faithful to use you if you remain faithful. Don't promote yourself, stay humble. Stay hidden, stay on the shelf. He's got you there for a purpose. Now I want you to know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke at you, okay? I'm sp I, I am speaking this to you in faith because I believe it about me and I walk it out in my life. And I'm speaking this to you from someone in the waiting. 
not someone who's, yeah, I look back on my life and God, you know, has me in front of everything and everyone. That's not the case. I'm talking to you as someone who has tried to take it into their own hands and it did not work. And though it was good in my own power, it wasn't God's power in his calling. And then comes David's time where David gets to be king because Saul died. And guess what? You're thinking this is it. David's going to be king. And David got to be king. And he reigned from Hebron, the capital city of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. Now, wait a minute. David's anointing wasn't to be king of Judah. It was to be king of Israel, the entire nation. But David ends up being king over just Judah, the southern kingdom. The kingdom of Israel was divided at that time into northern and southern kingdom. That's before they had this civil war where David and his armies defeated the armies of Saul's descendants in the northern kingdom. Northern kingdom was bigger than the southern kingdom. And so David reigned over a portion of Israel, not all of Israel. Now, how would that feel? Not only were, was David anointed to be king and then wasn't king, had to go back out into the field, but now he's, when he is claimed to be king, now that Saul's dead, the, the over half of the country is now faithful to Saul's descendants and doesn't recognize you as king. And now you're only king over a portion, as if, although you're anointed to be king and called to be king over the whole thing, he only gives you a piece of fulfillment. Maybe because of, I don't know, David's failures. Maybe because David wasn't good enough. Maybe because David made some mistakes along the way. No, I don't think that's it. I think that there was still a season of holding. I think there was a season of, let's take the box of shoes off the shelf and I'm gonna try one on. I don't wanna wear it all the way yet. I just wanna try it on and make sure they fit, make sure that I like them, make sure it's, can you handle a little bit of success, David? without it being about you. Can you can you still trust me for the full purpose of your calling and for the fulfillment of it, regardless of your race against time as you age, regardless of your desire to want more and want more power now that you've tasted a little? Can you still wait on my hand to give it to you? David, this verse here says that he reigned, he was 30 years old when he began his reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, southern kingdom, he reigned over Judah for seven years and six months. Seven years and six months. Seven and a half years he waited as king over part of the country before he would ever become king of the whole country, which means during that time, he wasn't just king, but he was king over part of a kingdom where the other half of the kingdom was constantly fighting against him. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you feel like you're just starting to get in to what God's called you to do and it feels like all hell is breaking loose against you? That people are coming out of the woodwork to come take you out or that everything seems to be going wrong. Your kids are acting this way and this is happening over here in your life and this over here fell through and this project didn't get to be as great as you thought it would be and the things that you thought God promised you seem to be turning in on you and trying to take you out, yet you're trying to remain faithful. And I believe that's where David was here. Seven years and six months. Consistently during this time and even before this time, David was faithful 
to serve Saul who was trying to kill him. Even honoring Saul's family and punishing those who acted out unjustly against Saul and his family on behalf of David. David was very faithful to God's anointed. Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. It's easy for us to just say that phrase. I think that David loved the things that God loved. You know? I have a daughter. I have three daughters. I love them to death. And one daughter is definitely after my own heart when it comes to food. We love the same types of food. We indulge in food. We enjoy when we eat food. And I say, man, she's a girl after my own heart. We love some Peking duck. You know what I mean? If you don't know what I mean, you might need to know what I mean and go find yourself some Peking duck and have some from a good, reputable place. It's my favorite meal. She's a girl after my own heart. We love the same things. David loved the things that God loved. But I think also there, David was after God's heart. He was pursuing the heart of God. He understood that when God anointed something or someone, we honor those that God has anointed regardless of their approval or actions or thoughts toward us. And David was faithful. And finally, after seven and a half years, David, here in this verse, begins a rule over the entire kingdom of Israel where God's promise and his anointing was brought to fruition. But hear me, he was 30, he was 37 when he started ruling the entire nation. He was anointed somewhere around 15. 22 years go by after David was anointed to be king, before David's purpose found fulfillment. And we're upset because we believe God put a dream in our heart a year ago to do ministry, five years ago to do ministry. Started a business last year and we wonder why it hasn't come, why God isn't seeming to be blessing it in a year. We try to take matters into our own hands and put ourselves into different positions. Go ahead and scale back from your seven. Pull it back to about a four or a three. We're gonna cool down here. Can you be faithful in the waiting? Can you be faithful to the now that God has called you to? Don't look too far ahead. Don't look too far around. Don't look too far back. Where does God have you right now in this moment? God's will for you, God's anointing for you, God's anointing for David to be king was not for the future. David's anointing for you to be his ambassador, his child, his minister, his spokesperson, his hands, his feet, his body is not for the future. No, 
God anointed David to be king so that he could go shepherd sheep like a king, so that he could go serve in the palace as a mere servant like a king. God has anointed you with a kingly anointing, with a priesthood anointing. He has anointed you as a priest so that you can go wash feet, so that you can go serve those he came to serve, so that you can take a cup of water to those who are thirsty and you can take a meal to those who are hungry, so that you can take the message of hope to those without hope, so that you can go to those around the world, to the nations on his behalf. He's anointed you as a priest to go serve your children, to go serve your spouse, not to put yourself into a position where you get more power and more money, but so that you get on your knees with a towel and a basin of water and wash the feet of those he has placed and entrusted into your care and into your circle. And that starts at home, friend. It starts at home because if you can't be a priest at home, you can't be a priest in the world. If you can't be a servant at home, you can't be a servant at work. If you can't be a servant at home, you can't be a servant in the workplace or in ministry around the world. David was a king serving at home in his father's field, faithful. Because when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up in due time. You are anointed not for then, you are anointed for now. What about you, friends? What are your dreams, your purposes, your calling? What do you feel like God has anointed you to do? I want to challenge you today. I want to encourage you that you've been anointed, but I want to challenge you that your anointing is not for then, it's for right now, and it starts with those closest to you. I'm preaching to me. God's preaching to me. And I'm preaching to you. It's both of us. It's a challenge. But I believe he's called us to it. So let's go forth and serve with the anointing of God. Peace. Except for